a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Quite a while now, I wanted to preach on the subject of healing. And uh, it's been sort of something I've been preparing over quite a number of weeks really. Uh, if not months, it's been, it's been sort of bubbling away and thinking, actually I want to spend some time preparing it and uh, I've been quite keen to preach on it and uh, I decided some time ago to have a fresh look at Jesus' healing in the Gospels and uh, started to read through them again and sort of make notes in terms of what Jesus did uh, in different uh, occasions as he was healing people and I thought it might be, be a good subject for us to look at together. And uh, I'm not quite sure how much we'll get through this morning. We may not actually get to the end of my notes. It wouldn't surprise me. This may be something we look at again in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, it will be a subject that will come up uh, over the next few months. We've got uh, a guy with us in a few weeks' time, David Dominey, who may be known to, to some of you. has uh, uh, led churches in East Grinstead and then uh, until recently, a New Frontiers church in Stafford. And uh, he'll be sharing with us some recent ministry trips that he's been on and seen God's healing in a variety of situations and some good testimonies there. And then the Front Hedge weekend, which I referred to a little earlier in May on the 17th and 18th, will be a subject that will be looked at in the conference on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, on Sunday the 18th of May, We've got a guest service and uh, I think it's worth telling you that now so you can be thinking and praying about who you might invite to that. But again, on that morning we'll be praying for healing and praying uh, for the sick. So do stick that date in your diary. A good Sunday to be here. Try not to be away that weekend. The 18th of May, uh, we've got a guest uh, speaker with us as well. That will be a key Sunday for us in the next few months. I guess on the 17th of May may clash with one or two other things that are going on. Maybe someone's getting married. Is it someone getting married? That's it that weekend, isn't it? So you've got an excuse. Okay, it's okay. You don't have to be there. Um, but maybe for others of you who, who won't be celebrating their wedding, you may want to be at that conference. So it seems that it's a subject that I feel God's been speaking to me about and one that we've been wanting to look at together. And there's a number of things that I want to look at, and we may get through some of these or all of these this morning. I don't know. We'll see how we go. But I wanted to look at a biblical basis for it, and I asked myself the question, well, why did Jesus heal? I thought that would be a good question to look at this morning. Why did Jesus heal? And as I was reading through the Gospels afresh, I wanted to know what Jesus did. I wanted to know, you know what happened each time he healed someone. How did it happen? What happened? How did he do it? We'll look at that. We may look at healing in the New Testament generally. We may look at the role of faith. And uh, we'll look too, perhaps briefly, at the sort of current situation that we find ourselves in, in the UK, in this current time, and what it means for us. We may not get through all those things this morning. We'll see how we go. So shall we pray and ask God to be with us and help us, and then we'll see how we, we get on. Lord Jesus, we do pray now for your presence with us as we look at your word together. I pray you'd speak to us. Lord, I pray you'd give us open minds to hear from you afresh. Lord, as we 
Look at this subject of healing. As we look up and uh, we look at what happened in the New Testament, we look at our situation that we find ourselves in today. I pray you would speak to us. I pray you would stir our faith as we look at these things together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've always said that we want Jubilee to be a New Testament church in the 21st century. And if you read through the New Testament, then you cannot fail to notice that people often got healed. Have you noticed that? Are you reading the same book that I am? Yeah, you've noticed that? So particularly as you look through the Gospels, you'll find, I don't know if it's on every page, but I would guess most pages, you'll find Jesus healing someone, or something like that happening. And uh, as I said, I've recently gone through some of the Gospels looking at this again. And and I found it a really encouraging exercise. And um, I thought what I want to do is go through and and make notes as as I get to each occurrence, if you like, uh, of Jesus healing someone and just see what happened and see how he went about it. And I found it a really faith-inducing uh, thing to do. And I, and I would urge you to do it sometime. It's, I found it a really helpful, a really exciting thing to do. And let's be really clear here. When we're talking of healing, we're not meaning that we have got some magic power. This is God's healing that we're talking about. It's He who heals. It's just that sometimes He chooses to use us in the process. So let's just make that really clear. He doesn't have to use us, and God could heal without us being involved in the process, but often, as with many things in the Christian life, God chooses to work through individuals. Remarkable, really, isn't it? I mean, I sometimes wonder, if I was God, would I do it that way? Or would I bypass people like me completely and just get on with the job? Sometimes I think it might be a lot quicker. But God chooses to use us in things, doesn't he? He chooses to use us in praying for one another. Chooses to use us in healing. Chooses to use us in telling people about his good news, about his son. Chooses to use us uh, in the establishing of his kingdom here on earth. Chooses to use us in the growing of his church. It's wonderful, isn't it? There's an example of God's grace, if ever we needed it. That he would choose to use people like me And dare I say it, people like you too. God uses us. So, I got to the question, why did Jesus heal? Why did Jesus heal? Well, there are a few things here, and I think the first thing is compassion. The first thing is compassion. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Matthew 9, 35, we read this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Whoever feels harassed and helpless? Please say it's not just me. (laughs) We do, don't we? Well, Jesus had compassion. And it's interesting, I think, that Jesus doesn't just see crowds. And bear in mind, when we're talking about crowds and Jesus, we're talking in the thousands. 
We're not just talking half a dozen people wondering what's going on somewhere. We're talking about thousands very often. We know that because we find Jesus feeding 5,000, well, a crowd is bigger than that. It was just the men that were counted. So, thousands of people on, very, on one occasion and another group of thousands on another occasion. So, Jesus was used to dealing with crowds of thousands. But he didn't just see the crowd. He saw individuals. He saw individuals that were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. It's interesting, isn't it? The heart of Jesus was moved. It's remarkable, really. The heart of Jesus was moved by individual situations. Think about what happened after Lazarus died. Do you remember the story? Jesus goes to see Mary and Martha. And in that account of what happened there, we find the shortest verse in the Bible where it says that Jesus wept. His heart was moved. He saw their pain and did something about it. You know the account, I'm sure, of him calling Lazarus out of the tomb. There he was, wrapped in his, in his grave clothes, probably a bit smelly by now as well. Uh, and, you, know, I, I, you can probably imagine Lazarus there he's lying, I guess, in, in his grave. Jesus calls him, brings him back to life, and uh, it probably would have been quite an amusing situation. Well, I, I like to think it would be, because, um, in fact, Matt, I can't bore you, seeing as you're there. Can you lie down on these chairs for me for a moment? No snoring, okay? I would ask you to lie on the floor, but it probably isn't as clean as the chairs. So you imagine Lazarus lying in his, in his grave clothes there. They would be quite tightly, round, tightly wrapped around him. And he's probably trying to get up. He's got Jesus calling Lazarus, come out. And he's bringing him back to life. And there he is in his grave clothes. You can get up now. And I want you to imagine that you're... Stand up a second. I want you to imagine that you're wrapped in his grave clothes. Probably like this. I can imagine Lazarus sort of waddling out. Probably a bit smelly after being in there a few days. <laughs> but Jesus had compassion on the situation. He saw the pain of his friends. And he did something about it. His heart was moved. Jesus was not aloof. He was not somehow remote from people's situations. He saw people's heart. He saw their pain. And often, that compassion motivated him to do something about it. Very often, it was to bring healing. I wonder for us, do we find our hearts moved with compassion? Different situations we find ourselves in, different people we come across maybe, do we sort of somehow remain aloof and not let our heart be touched? Or like Jesus, do we find ourselves moved and want to do something about it? I wonder. Well, for Jesus, I think the first thing that motivated often for healing was compassion. Secondly, secondly, we find that healing demonstrated God's love. It demonstrated God's love. Healing people demonstrated that God loved them and was interested in them. Think about it this morning. Maybe you haven't thought about this recently. God is interested in you. And he doesn't just see you in in a crowd this morning of uh, of people sitting here, but rather sees you, knows you by name, knows your circumstances, and wants to demonstrate his love to you. 
I, I find it mind-blowing, and I'm sure you do too, that the God who made heaven and earth is interested in me. Interested in you. So we don't find some far-removed deity that somehow creates the world, spins it into motion, and just sits back and watches. But rather, we find in Scripture... And we know from experience that we love and serve a God who is intimately involved with his creation and wants to demonstrate his love and demonstrate his care. Well, for Jesus, healing people often demonstrated God's love to them. Thirdly, it was a demonstration of God's power. It was a demonstration of God's power. Jesus used healing to authenticate his message very often. Now, you could argue that if anybody didn't need authenticating, it was probably Jesus. But often we find in Scripture, in the Gospels, we find that healing sort of backed up what he was saying. And you find that as you go through the New Testament, as the disciples preached and gathered crowds and spoke. And different other people went on and were involved in planting churches. Often you find that healing and the power of God coming backed up and authenticated the message that was proclaimed. So it wasn't just that a message was proclaimed, but rather that was done and there was power as well. In Mark chapter 2, we find that Jesus heals a paralytic who is let down on a mat through the roof. Maybe you know the story. We find this guy who's on a mat, is paralysed, four of his friends decide to take him to Jesus can't get in the house, there are that many people there, so they wander up onto the roof, dig a hole, and sort of let down their friend on the mat. Well, I read the account like that, and I think, what about the guy whose house it was? How do you think he felt about somebody sort of digging a hole in his roof? <laughs> I don't know, we're not told that. Um, but we are told that this guy's let down on the mat, and uh, we find himself, he finds himself there. And Jesus says this, he says, But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, says Mark in his typical understated tone. (laughs) And they praised God saying, We've never seen anything like this. And you can imagine the scene, can't you? There's a crowd gathered around thinking, hang on, that guy didn't, couldn't walk a minute ago uh, and now we find him getting up and walking out and you've got the guy whose house it is thinking, there's a hole in my roof, that wasn't there earlier and this guy walking out carrying his mat and they're just amazed. There's a demonstration of God's miraculous power. Jesus wasn't afraid to use healing to authenticate his message. At the end of Mark's Gospel, we find Jesus giving the disciples some last instructions before he returns to heaven. And uh, he says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And he goes on. He says, these signs will accompany those who believe. And he lists a number of signs, including, he says, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So right at the last minute, before Jesus returns to heaven, it's preach the gospel and heal the sick. 
It's interesting, isn't it? These signs, Jesus says, will accompany those who believe. He doesn't say, I think I've often read it like this, I think I've often read it as Jesus saying, these signs will accompany those who preach the gospel. He doesn't say that. He says, these signs will accompany those who believe. Interesting, isn't it? So for Jesus, this is part of normal, everyday Christianity. Not just for those who are preaching the gospel, but for all of us. For all who believe. So do you believe? Do you believe this morning? Well, I think the fourth thing that we find, uh, why did Jesus heal? We've, we've had compassion, we've had demonstrating God's love, demonstrating his power. I think the fourth reason is to do with the kingdom of God. The fourth reason is to do with the kingdom of God breaking in. Now, this may not be an everyday phrase, but it's a phrase that we find quite a bit in the Gospels. Jesus talked quite a bit about the kingdom of God. So, what is the kingdom of God? Well, it's this. The kingdom of God is where God reigns. In your life, if you're a Christian here this morning. George Ladd, in his Theology of the New Testament, uh, says this. He says, the kingdom is the dynamic reign or kingly rule of God. And derivatively, the sphere in which the rule is experienced. Let me say it again. The kingdom is the dynamic reign or kingly rule of God and derivatively the sphere in which that rule is experienced. So it's not a geographical area like an earthly kingdom might be. You might find it on a map. It might be a certain colour. You might say, yeah, that's the kingdom of so-and-so or a particular geographic uh, entity. But rather the kingdom of God is an area of influence. If someone becomes a Christian, someone puts their trust in Jesus, you might say the kingdom of God has come to their life. The area of influence then is their life. When we trust in Jesus, something changes. He becomes Lord of our life. The kingdom of God comes to us. And so then we find someone is there to lead us, to protect us, to help us, to guide us to be with us. Now, if, for example, in a particular locality or a town, lots of people become Christians, you might say the kingdom of God has come to that place, in that particular area. Well, this morning, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you don't have a relationship with him, then the kingdom of God could come to you. As you meet here in this hall, above a pub, in the centre of Derby, the kingdom of God could come to you. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe you you return back to him. The kingdom of God could come to you. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them to talk and to preach the kingdom of God. It's a reoccurring theme. We often find it in the New Testament. So when someone becomes a Christian, the kingdom of God is extended. When someone is prayed for and healed... The kingdom of God is extended. Even as the church makes a difference in society, the kingdom of God is extended. So we've got New Day coming again to us in Derby this summer. I'm sure by now you will have booked the holiday off work, wouldn't you? From the 2nd until the 7th of August 
It's a little reminder of the dates there if you haven't done it yet. But as we have that time, as we've got hundreds of young people coming into the city to serve us, we'll be doing all sorts of things during the week. Some of the projects are beginning to take place already, which is really exciting. But some of the things that we'll be doing will be demonstrating God's love in a practical way. And as we do that, the kingdom of God comes. If we do that, the kingdom of God is extended. Now, God's rule and his reign won't fully happen until Jesus comes again. So we live in a bit of an in-between time. So we live in the sort of, you know, now we've got a taste of the kingdom, if you like, but it hasn't quite come in all its fullness yet. Something has been started, but it's not yet finished. We live in the middle. We've got a taste of the kingdom, but not in its fullness yet. When Jesus comes again, however, and restores all things, when there's the new heaven, the new earth that the Bible talks about, or if we die and go and be with him before that, then there'll be no more sickness and no more pain. Revelation 21 verse 4 says this, there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? Don't you think? We should be looking forward to that day. Jesus often talks about, or Paul talks about, oh, that day. That day when Jesus returns. That day when everything will be made right again. That day when there will be no more pain, no more sickness. That day when everything will be put right again. That day when there will be the new heaven, the new earth. We're encouraged to look forward to that day. But right now, we live in the in-between time. The now and the not yet, you might describe it as. And that's why there's still suffering and there's still pain. And that's also why, though we pray for many, and often pray with great faith, pray trusting God, the reality is, not everyone is healed. That's the reality, isn't it? We need to be real about these things. Some are, some aren't. So Lazarus, of which we had the excellent acting out earlier, uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead... But some time later, he still died again. We're not told that Jesus went back a second time. So, even for Lazarus, though, he was brought back to life. He still died later. It's interesting, isn't it? We're commanded in Scripture to heal the sick. Not just to pray for them, but to heal them. But the reality, I guess, that you and I experience is that not everyone is healed. So we need, to be really, we need to be very real about these things. We need to make sure we don't live in some pretend fairy land where everything's okay and if someone's not healed it must be something that they're doing wrong. The reality is we live in the now and the not yet. The in-between time of the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come but not in all its fullness yet. So not everyone is healed. Now that's difficult, isn't it? That's tough. That is hard. But as well as that, we do know that we have a God who loves us, who is for us, who promises to be with us even in difficult or trying circumstances. 
So maybe you're going through a tough or trying circumstance at the moment. Maybe it's a physical thing, a pain or an illness. Maybe it's a situation that you find yourself in. God promises not to leave you, not to forsake you. If you're walking close with him, then he promises to remain close to you. See, God is still God. He is very much still on the throne. The difference for Christians is not that it's somehow all okay, but rather we don't go through those difficult times alone. Because Jesus promises to walk with us. So I wonder, is he walking with you? Or maybe a better question is, are you walking with him? So, we've we've looked at why Jesus healed. I I looked through, uh, as we looked at the Gospels, I was starting to look through, what did Jesus do? Now, some of you may still have those armbands that were in fashion a few years ago. What would Jesus do? W, W, uh, I forget what the initials were. What would Jesus do? And, uh, well, I I wanted to know, what did Jesus do as he healed people? Well, I, I wondered if there was a particular method that he used. I wondered if there was a particular way he approached these situations. Well, if you're looking for a method, if you're looking for the easy one, two, three of biblical healing, then you're not going to find it. It's not there. So in the Gospels, we find Jesus doing any number of these things. We have him commanding healing. We have him speaking a word. We've got him reaching out a hand speaking healing, touching someone's eyes. We find the disciples anointing with oil. We find Jesus putting his fingers in someone's ears. We find Jesus spitting and touching someone's tongue. We find him spitting on someone's eyes. We find him placing his hands on someone. We find him rebuking evil spirits and probably other things as well. So which one of those is your method of the one, two, three of the easy guide to biblical healing? It's not there, is it? There's a variety of things that Jesus did. One thing did strike me though as I studied afresh was that the amount of times Jesus would command healing, saying things like be healed or be clean, be opened. And there's something I think for us to learn in that. I'm not so sure it's in the command, but rather it's in the faith. Because speaking like that takes confidence, it takes faith, doesn't it? So Jesus wasn't just praying that someone would be healed, he wasn't telling the disciples, well just, you know, just pray for them, but rather he was saying, heal them, heal the sick. And so there's an element of faith and certainty that we find in Jesus as he was healing. So healing in the New Testament then, we've already talked about the kingdom of God, the now and the not yet. And I guess we need to hold that tension, don't we? And there is a tension there. There's a tension of responding to Jesus' command to heal the sick and yet knowing that we haven't fully seen the kingdom of God come yet. So when the disciples are sent out in Matthew 10, as we said, Jesus doesn't tell them to pray for the sick, He tells them to heal the sick. And the difference there is in expectation, isn't there? If I said to you, well, just pray for someone, then you can pray a sort of nice prayer, can't you? You can pray that sort of nice prayer that God will bless them, 
that somehow God would comfort them or come to them or be with them. And you could say, well, I prayed for them. I did what I was told. And that would have been true. But Jesus' command wasn't just to pray, but rather to heal. So I, I guess the question is for us is, what do we expect to happen when we pray for someone to be healed? Answer the question in your own mind just now. Honestly, what is your expectation? What do you expect to happen when you pray for someone to be healed? I guess we've all been in prayer meetings where someone has prayed for, I don't know, Mrs. So-and-so, whose uh, phrase I used to hear years ago is, who's laid aside on a bed of sickness, whatever a bed of sickness happens to be, and you'd hear people praying that God would comfort her in her affliction. And I used to stand there thinking, I felt sorry for Mrs. So-and-so to start with, but I'm not sure that I feel any better for her now, as we've prayed that she would be comforted in her affliction, whatever that might be. Now, unfortunately, it's been quite a long time since I've heard those sort of so-called prayers for healing. There's no faith in praying like that, is there? Now, it's easy to pray, Lord, we pray you'd bless someone, we pray you'd comfort them in their illness, we pray you'd be close to them. That's, that's pretty quite easy to do, isn't it? But praying for someone to be healed, there's a difference in expectation there. There's a difference in faith. And I think it's faith that seems to be the component that is often at work, if not always at work, when we find an occurrence of healing in the New Testament. It seems that it's faith that makes the difference. When, we, when Jesus calls Lazarus, out of the tomb, it's very simple, isn't it? Lazarus, come out! It isn't like, you don't find Jesus praying and asking God, well, Lord, would you mind perhaps if we could think about having Lazarus back, if if that's alright with you? Do you think that maybe that would be okay, Um, Lazarus? um, uh, Do do you hear me? (laughs) There's There's nothing like that, is there? It's a command. Lazarus, come out! Get up! He sort of waddles in his grave coat, smelling a bit. But you find that as Jesus heals in the New Testament. The command is there. There's an element of faith. Now we don't have time this morning to look at that element of faith because there's lots that I want us to look at as we do that. So I think we'll look at that in a couple of weeks' time because there are a couple of accounts I want us to look at of people healing and uh, there are two accounts that we find uh, of people responding to Jesus in faith and so to do that justice we won't do that now but we'll do that in a few weeks time Before before we finish let me just wrap up by saying this let's make it clear what we're talking about here we're talking about God being the one who heals It's God who heals. It's his power. And even when Jesus tells us to heal the sick, he's not somehow inferring that we use our own power or our own energy or we place our hands in a certain way and something happens. It's nothing like that. Jesus is saying, use my power. 
It's God's power that's at work here. It's he alone who heals. But he often chooses to use us in the process. So how do we pray then if we're praying for someone to be healed? Well, I think there are four things. We have compassion, we have courage, we have clarity, and we have faith. But Jesus had compassion, didn't he, on people? And we need to have compassion on people as we pray for them, desiring to see the mercy and love of God come. We need to have courage too. And this is key, isn't it? It takes courage to say to someone, can I pray for you? It takes courage to step out. And maybe it's courage you need to say to someone, can I pray for you for healing? Maybe it isn't even in a church meeting, but it's someone at work, or at uni, or a neighbour, or someone you come across. Mark Stibbe, in his excellent book on revival, says this, he says, after Pentecost, miracles were occurring among the lost in the marketplace, not just among the saved in the worship place. How that we would see that again, don't you think? That needs courage. We need clarity as well. Clarity about what we're asking for. We're asking God to heal. Now, I've heard and maybe prayed too often wishy-washy prayers. So let's not have any wishy-washy prayers. Let's have prayers of courage and boldness and faith. And if you're praying for someone to be healed, then do just that. Pray that they'll be healed. Ask God for that. Be clear about it. Be clear about what you're asking God for. And I believe that requires faith, doesn't it? And we'll look at this in a couple of weeks' time. We need to believe God. We need to believe what he can do. And, friends, if you don't, or you don't think, I haven't got faith to pray like that yet, then maybe it's better you let someone else pray. Because there's nothing worse than having somebody else's lack of faith being prayed onto you when you're feeling pretty rubbish to start with. <laughs> so if you're praying for someone, then pray boldly. Pray courageously. Pray clearly. Pray with faith. And we'll talk in a couple of weeks' time uh, a little bit more detail about how to pray, what to ask God for very clearly, and uh, how we'll do that together. I guess it's worth saying on this subject as well. Um, it's an area of, of church life that it's easy to go overboard in. And there are some churches, and I've, I've heard some preachers talk about healing in such a way that they would somehow deny the medical profession and sort of deny the grace of God that he's given to those who are skilled in medical areas. I'm not just saying that because we've got our front row panel here of experts. But let's be, let's be real about it. I believe God has given grace to us that we understand something of the human body. But I haven't met any doctor yet, and I don't think either of these two guys would say that we understand everything about it yet. There is much that we don't know, much that we have to learn. And so, I'm more of the approach of thanking God for medical expertise, not denying that, but as well as that, praying for God to heal. Let's not go on to either extreme. 
Let's not go on to the extreme of, well, you know, I've prayed for you to be healed, so therefore don't go to a doctor, you know, therefore don't do this. But rather, I want to be saying, well, if you're being treated for something, I'm going to pray that you'll be healed, and then go back to your doctor and see what the progress is, see what God has done. Don't just suddenly say, I'm never going back. Let's be real about this. Let's not go overboard to one extreme, but similarly, and maybe the danger is like this for us, that we go purely on the other extreme of never praying for someone to be healed. Never expecting God to break in. Never even giving God the opportunity to heal. And maybe we don't see many people heal because we don't pray for enough sick people. Perhaps we would see more people healed if we prayed for more people who were sick. Do you not think? Maybe so. Maybe so. So Let's not go overboard in these things. Let's not make sure we end up at either extreme. But rather, look at the New Testament. Believe what God has said to us. Be clear about praying for healing and pray confidently and boldly and with faith. We'll look at that in a couple of weeks' time. But also trusting God in that and also thanking him for wisdom and expertise that is given to those around us. Does that make sense? Is that, like that? that sort of balance makes sense? I think the danger for us is that we, we don't pray enough for people who are sick. The Front Edge Conference in May, if you get to that, will help you in that. I know a couple of the guys that are speaking, I've, I've listened to them speak on these things before, and it, it's, you'll find your faith is stirred and excited as you hear stories of God healing. We've had it even in our midst, even amongst our church family. There are those of you who can testify to God having healed you on occasions. And I'm believing that we're going to see more of that and increasing in that. And it seems that God is doing more of this around us in these days. And uh, it seems to be something that God wants to restore to the church. Over, the, over recent years and decades, we've seen lots of things restored to God's church. I believe there's some way for us to go in this, but I believe it's something that God wants to restore to us more and more. We might see him breaking in with power and healing people amongst us. And as Mark Stibbe says in his book, not just amongst us in the worship place, but amongst the lost in the marketplace as well. Amen? Can we stand together as well? Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.